Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to episode 270. We will talk to Jameson Rogers. He's got a number one song. He's got a really cool story. So hang out for that. Also, number one songs with just one writer, which is a rare thing now. Eddie comes in to talk with me about that. Let's get to the new music top five, though. At number five on my list of new music, I'm excited about Foo Fighters have a new song called Shame Shame. I love the Foo Fighters. Just pumped about that. Number four, Thomas Rep put out a new song earlier this week that you may have heard. It's called What's Your Country Song. Kaylee Shore has a new song called Lying to Myself, which I'm putting at number three. At number two, Shenandoah have a new album with a lot of features on. You may know them from the 90s, 90s country music. Awesome. They have a new album called Every Road, and this is Every Time I Look at You with Lady A. It blows my mind, girl, every time I look at you. And they also have a new song that came out today called Make It Summertime with Luke Bryan. And here's a clip of that. If I can make it to summertime. And finally, my number one is obviously Chris Stapleton's new album called Starting Over. It features, well, Starting Over. Arkansas. And a new song called Maggie's Song, which he told us he wrote about his dog who passed away. Here's a clip of that. Those are my favorite five happening this week. Other new songs. There's a band called Outskirts, who I like. They have a new song for the Tennessee Titans called Get Loud, Tighten Up. I wanted to feature that. Kelsey Ballerini put out Hole in the Bottle featuring Shania Twain. So this is already a hit, but Shania's on it now. Here's a clip of that. And Lil Nas X has a new Christmas song called Holiday. Albums and EPs, ACDC, Easton Corbin, Josh Abbott Band, Plain White Tees, Cranberries, Elton John, that's a Rarities box set, all with music out. So if you're looking for new music, go get it. There's a lot. This is actually a good week. Last week sucked. Yeah, this week is better. This week's great. There's also a podcast called Vets You Should Know. It's a four-part podcast series. I'm hosting it. I talk with remarkable vets and learn about their struggles, their accomplishments, while enlisted and beyond. So check out Vets You Should Know. Proud of it. Love our vets. 
on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Wherever you listen to on right now, you can find it. Just search for Vets You Should Know and check it out. Music news. Da, da, da. Eric Church wins Entertainer of the Year at the CMAs. Marin Morris also won big, and Luke Combs also won a couple spots too. So congratulations to them. The uh, Eric Church Entertainer of the Year was well-deserved. I don't think you're going to have anyone that argues that he didn't deserve it. So uh, congratulations to Eric Church. This Phil Collins story, him and his ex-wife are going at it, man. Yep. It's getting dirty. Because they were married, then divorced, then married again. Yep. And now she's saying that he stinks, and now they're dropping personal information. It's just a whole sour situation. His ex claims that Phil was depressed, withdrawn, and abusive. Due to a recent back surgery, he was abusing alcohol, painkillers, antidepressants, and he stunk, and he smelled. That's over the line. That's harsh. You got to add the smell thing. No truth to Florida Georgia Line breakup rumors. I never thought they were breaking up. I did think they were pretty pissed at each other, though. <laughs> you don't unfollow someone on Instagram unless you're really mad. Yeah. Otherwise, you just let it go, and you don't really care that much. Morgan Wallen, Brian Kelly, and more want tours to start after seeing victory celebrations. Here's the thing. This is the dumbest thing. First of all, they, people shouldn't be out cramming together, but that also doesn't mean you should have shows. They're both wrong. So you shouldn't have shows because one group of people are doing something dumb. You can't look at something and go, well, they're doing something dumb. We want to do something dumb. That's not how it works. They're doing something dumb. Also, that's not a sanctioned thing. Yeah. There's no promoter underwriting it, dealing with lawsuits. No it's just a, a bunch of people walking out of their house and doing stuff. Yeah, no one bought a ticket for that. Yeah. So I always see Chase Rice saying stuff. I'm like, don't be a dummy. It's not the same thing. But they're both, we just want this to go away. The best way to get it to go away is to chill out for a bit. We don't need to start having shows and make it worse right now. I can't wait for shows. I can't wait for Ticketmaster to do that. Prove that you have had a, a, a test or a vaccine, you can go to a show. It's going to be great. Yeah, the whole Brian Kelly, Chase Rice, even Morgan Waller. We're going to have shows because they're together. No. Don't be a numb nut. They shouldn't be together, and you shouldn't have shows right now. But we're about to get there. It's about to get close. Finally, American Idol sets early 2021 debut on ABC. February 14th. I'll be there. I'll be on that show. I like that show. It's a good show. <laughs> that show pays me money. <laughs> very good show. A very good show. That show is my favorite show. Uh, that's it. That's your music news. Thank you very much. We're going to talk about number one country songs with just one writer. Rare. Very rare. Because I think back in the day, that's what people did. They just got a guitar or piano and wrote a song. But in the land of Nashville and even in pop music now, it's such a everybody get together, cumulative effort to write a song because maybe somebody's good at the melody, which is like, what's that? <laughs> I don't know. Do That's Friends on Low Places, okay. right? <laughs> Where you don't have the words, but you just have the melody. Yes. Maybe then you have a great lyricist. Melody makers. Maybe then you have somebody who can make a track while mm -hmm. you're there on the fly. So a number one song with one songwriter is very much becoming a thing in the past. Back in the 70s, 44% of number one songs had a single songwriter. Yeah. In the 2010s, only 4% did. So far this year, no number one songs have had one songwriter. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, like it's not recommended to songwriters, really. Like, you know, a lot of people are just like, and, and I think it takes away from the confidence of a songwriter, too. Like, I bet a bunch of these songwriters today, Bones, could probably write number one hits, but the confidence isn't there anymore because they're used to doing it with two other people or three other people. Or, if I can throw a different yeah. um, approach... They can write a song faster with three people. True. And if you have three songs, the odds of them catching are better than one. Yeah. Sure, you're only getting 33% of the pay, but the odds that it goes number one anyway isn't good. Yeah. So I don't know what, what the reason is. It's just another way. Because I think, you know, Shane McAnally could write down, sit down and write a number one song himself. Yeah. But he probably also is using all his ideas all the time, and, and other people are bringing ideas in the room. He's like, oh, yeah, I can help with this a lot mm -hmm. too. So anyway, let's go to this. According to Billboard... It's a thing of the past, but we're going to look at some of them. The last song written by just one person to reach number one was Ed Sheeran's Perfect. It reached number one in December of 2017. That's the last one. The last song written by a solitary female songwriter was Alicia Keys' Fallen. And that's 2001. This is her first song, too. That's the one that kind of launched on really? the scene. Yeah. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's Dreams, which has been big for a long time, but is back popular again. It just hopped into the charts again because of the TikTok video. It was written by Stevie Nicks. That's it. One person. Why, really? Mm -hmm. Turn that up there. Well, who 
So let's take a look at the biggest number one songs written by just one songwriter in each decade since the 50s. All right. In the 1950s, Frankie Avalon's Venus, written by him, spent five weeks at number one. <laughs> Do you know the cool. song? Yeah, of course. I'll give her all the love I have to give as long as we both shall The 1960s, 203 singles reached number one in the 60s. 58 of them were written by just one person. So you're looking at about a quarter of those songs back in the yeah. 60s. The longest running number one of the decade that was written by just one writer was Percy Faith's instrumental, The Theme from a Summer Place. I love this song. <laughs> That's a real song. There's just no words to it. Interesting. Yeah, turn that up. I'm jamming. <laughs> I'm bobbing my head. Mm, yeah. Such that slaps. <laughs> that slaps. That slaps. Uh, the longest running number one that had uh, lyrics and music was by the Monkees, I'm a Believer. Do you know who wrote this? Davy Jones? No. Turn it up. Neil freaking Diamond. Oh, gosh. You know what? I think I did know that. He spent seven weeks at number one. Wrote that by himself. I'm in love. Ooh, ooh. Made repopular by Shrek. Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Smash Mouth. In the 1970s, almost half the songs were written by just one songwriter. The longest running number one of that decade was written by just one writer, Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life, written by Joe Brooks. I mean, that one song made Joe Brooks a lot of money, I bet. Ten weeks at number one. How crappy was music that that was number one for (laughs) ten weeks? (laughs) I didn't know you, I didn't think you were going to go there, but yeah, okay. There's, there was, but there was so much good music know, in the late 70s. I know, not, yeah. In the 1980s, again, almost half were written by just one artist. The number one written by Lionel Richie is Diana Ross and Lionel Richie, Endless Love, 1981. Which, I love this song, and it sounds very similar to the Debbie Boone song. Just to, but I, <laughs> so I think, you know, maybe it's just what you grew up and you heard. Because obviously so. I was born close to this, but, and also I love Lionel. So maybe I'm a, boy. a little biased. Okay, well, in the 90s, you start to see it fall. Okay. About a quarter of songs again. The longest, you're going to like this one. The longest running number one of the decade was written by just one writer. There's a tie. But one of the writers was Dolly Parton. What song? Uh, I Will Always Love You. By Whitney Houston. Yep. Talk about some money being made. Dolly. Twice in the 70s, and then just cash money in That's the 1990s. That's an amazing feeling. That makes me think Dolly's rich. Uh, you think? <laughs> uh, the other one that tied for 14 weeks, Boys to Men's I'll Make Love to You with Mariah Carey. No, no, just um, One Sweet Day with Mariah Carey. I'll Make Love to You was written by Babyface. Really? Mm-hmm. 14 weeks, 1994. In the 2000s, people started to go, all right, we're not that good, and we need help with friends. <laughs> <laughs> just invite all our friends over and write a song. There were 129 number ones. Only eight were written by just one person. Wow. The longest-running number one of the decade written by one single person was written by Andre 3000. Okay. What do you think it is? I think I know this. Is this an... Uh, no, it's... um. I don't know why I'm saying crazy, but it's... No, I don't you're, know. You're, you're, in, you're kind of in the right spot. It's not crazy, but it's a, it's a title kind of like that. It's kind of funny. No, give it to me. Who is Andre 3000? Yeah, he's from um, uh, uh, Outcast. Right. Now, what's the biggest Outcast song for radio? Hey, yeah. Uh, Correct. Because this album, if I remember correctly, was Speaker Box and The Love Below. And it was each of them doing their own albums. Mm. So they were still outcasts, but it was a double album, and they each did their own things, and this was Andre 3000. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. I was an outcast guy. Yeah? Yeah. Who was the other guy, Big Boy? Is it mm-hmm. Big Boy? I saw him once. Wait, oh, in Austin? <laughs> yeah, I saw him I see. Once. It was a good show. Uh, the 2010, same thing, not many. Uh, the number one of the decade that was written by one writer was written by Calvin Harris, and it was Calvin Harris and Rihanna, We Found Love. And tied with it was written by Pharrell Williams, Happy. Here you go. Oh, big money on that one. And in the 2020, 0%. Don't have a single one of them. 0%. Mm-hmm. Wow. Some of the biggest number one country songs over the past 50 years with one writer, Johnny Cash, Boy Named Sue. 1969, written by Shel Silverstein. Correct. The children's book writer. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton, I'll Always Love You. 1974. Did it twice. Dolly Parton, Jolene, written by Dolly. Same year. Dolly didn't need co writers. 
Okay, who wrote this? Who wrote Kenny Rogers' Lady in 1980? Lady, Lionel Richie. Correct. Nice. Now, on this one, both Aerosmith and Mark Chestnut, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, went to number one. Who wrote it? Not Steven Tyler? You can make your own guess. (laughs) I'll go Steven Tyler. This is Mark Chestnut here. It's Diane Warren. Who's that? Am I supposed to know that? She's a, just a very famous songwriter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lee Greenwood, God Bless the USA, written in 1984 by one writer. It was? Not Lee Greenwood? It was Lee Greenwood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it, you got me. Okay, okay, I'm going to give you one here. 1998, To Make You Feel My Love by Garth Brooks, went number one in country. Who wrote it? Bob Dylan. Correct. The Billy Joel version also went number one. But a lot of different good versions of this song. The worst version, I think, Bob Dylan's. To make you feel. Yeah. <laughs> but we wouldn't Love have got the great without that. You're right. You're right. I, w- I just wonder if Bob knows he sucks at singing. I think he knows his strengths. Okay. He's a great songwriter. I, I like some Bob Dylan singing. Sometimes he's a little too Dylan for me. Mm-hmm. Like, my kids can't stand it. I love Bob Dylan. I love all his music. I listen to it a lot, and they can't stand it. It's, to me, still funny that Jacob Dylan, the lead singer of the Wallflowers, is Bob Dylan's son. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't want to use that to get famous, so he's going by his pseudonyms. It's amazing. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Jackson, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning in 2002 was written by who? Alan Jackson. Correct. Taylor Swift, Sparks Fly was written by? Taylor. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift, Hours, written by Taylor. she have a lot of songs that she wrote by herself? I think she has a significant amount. I think she wrote with a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. early. It was Liz, Liz yeah. Rose. She had a bunch of writers. But a great thing about Taylor was she actually she knows who to write with. She, she builds her team like nobody I've ever seen before in all elements. Pretty cool. Someone would say, hey, I got some flowers from Taylor, but it was probably her, her team that sent them. I was like, who cares? Her team's at her arm. Yeah. She had to hire those people to make those decisions. Yeah. Like, that's... Uh, Blake Shelton, God Gave Me You, 2011. Who wrote it? Oh, yeah, ups and downs. Uh, Dave Barnes. Nice. Who came in here Come and played on. it? That's a good one. Good yeah. get there. Because remember Blake and Blake heard it on Christian radio. Yes. Tim McGraw, Humble and Kind, was written by one writer. Yes. Her name is. <laughs> you can do it. Why am I She's been blank? in before I to know. play as an artist. No. Give me her first name. Mm-mm. <laughs> first letter of her first name. L. I'm drawing a blank. Lori McKenna. Laura, come on. The band Lanco has the song Greatest Love Story. Mm-hmm. Written by one person. Brandon. Brandon Lancaster, lead singer. Yeah. And then honorable mention, 1961. You'll know this. We bring it up about once a week. <laughs> Patsy Cline, crazy. <laughs> Don't catch me at a bar, man, having a few beers. I'll tell you the story. <laughs> Was written by Willie Nelson. Nelson. Do you know this song? Crazy written by Willie. They're like, okay, so let's talk about 90s hip-hop. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we do, did you see the election results? I did, I did, but let me tell you. That's not important right now. You know Willie Nelson, right? (laughs) We bring this up in some form or fashion at least once a week. All right, thank you, guys. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tacovas.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, how do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision, 
from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. Treatment is covered, travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like, imagine, you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things. And financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. Well, we're recording this. You just uh, got the number one song in the country. Congratulations. Thank you, man. Thank you. Pretty crazy. We hadn't met uh, until, I guess, a couple weeks ago. You came in to tape something for St. Jude, which, yeah. which airs later. And I'd asked you how long you had been in town. Because what, what I have found is that with most folks, that when they come and they have their first number one, they look at you like, oh, I've been here for a while. Like, <laughs> it isn't as easy as people think where you just show up and yeah. then it, it miraculously starts happening. So with you, uh, how long have you been in Nashville and what was kind of the story that brought you here? Yeah, so I moved here in uh, August of 2010. So a little over 10 years ago, they called it a 10-year town. I hit it right on the head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, they first, when I first moved here, they would, they would tell me that. I heard that all the time and... uh you know, I thought I'd be, the, I thought I'd be the one. You'd be the that, one that was different. different yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, definitely not. It's funny because I, I met like so. There's like a festival in my hometown every year, and uh, Dustin Lynch opened for Justin Moore. This was in 2012, so I'm two years into Nashville, still have nothing going on at all. And Dustin really did. I mean, he was probably, I don't know, he probably didn't even have a hit yet. He was opening for Justin Moore. I don't. At, my hometown festival anyway maybe cowboys and angels yeah maybe. it was it was going up the chart yeah. maybe and so i walk up to him backstage and i was like hey man what's up my name how'd is you Jim. get backstage we're forgetting that the, oh so we're I, burying I got, the headline i got here. to i got to play the fa- i got to play at like one o'clock okay and dustin and justin obviously played much later in the night and so i, I hung around just so i could potentially meet justin and dustin so justin and dustin uh so i walk up to dustin and I was like, what's up, man? Big fan. Like, how long you been in Nashville? And he was like, man, I've been there eight years. And I was like, oh, God. I've got to wait another six years just to even get, get out of the gate. And, uh, yeah. But, man, I, so I, I, I was a late bloomer with music. I played baseball. I had the opportunity to play baseball through junior college. I got recruited to go play at a school in Memphis called Crichton College. Um, and I went two days in the semester. The coach that recruited us all there um, – called a meeting he was like man i got the job at Pitt. i'm leaving tomorrow big jump by the way yeah i know yeah yeah. and so we were just like cool well the guy that just recruited us all to come to memphis and come to the school was leaving so they bring in another guy i didn't necessarily get along with the new guy and i it just it it already felt like it was kind of the end of the road of my baseball career anyway i was kind of playing you know i was i should have quit i should have just retired after junior college anyway long story short that's when I picked the guitar up, junior in college, picked the guitar up, you know, wanted to kind of start writing songs at the same time. And uh, long story short, I, I left Crichton College and went down to Southern Miss to finish school. 
and uh, had a couple roommates. One of them did spoken word poetry, and one of them played pretty good guitar. And uh, so it was like the perfect combination. We started writing songs, and people started requesting these songs at you know parties and bonfires, and I was hooked. So 20 years old or so is when you first picked up a guitar? Yep. yep. Had you been singing, though, prior? I have. I'd always, I was always the guy that sang. Like I would walk around high school singing. You know, would here. you do talent shows? Would you no, do? I never did that. I was so I was I was always so shy like growing up for some reason like it took me till my early 20s to kind of come out of my shell like my buddies would always be like man Jameson like we'd be you know sitting at a party and have some country music on the on the speakers or whatever and they'd be like man Jam- you should hear Jameson sing and I'd always be just too chicken to sing like in front of everybody I was just shy so it took me a while to come out of my shell but I'm still shy to this day I mean I'm still <laughs> I still have some shyness to to get over but the guitar thing at 20, because, you know, when I was 19 or 20 and I really wanted to do stand-up, I thought, and I was doing music, but I was just writing only parody-based stuff. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I can't make any money yeah. using other people's music. Yeah. So I went to a pawn shop and I paid 50 bucks and I bought a guitar and I'm left-handed. So I had to, I didn't even buy a left-handed guitar. I just switched the strings around on a nut and every nut would bust because they're all built for different size strings. Yeah. So I was buying this, uh, I bought this guitar, and, and but I was learning to play it from a chord sheet at, I bought at Walmart. Yeah. So I had a pawn shop guitar and a chord sheet from Walmart, and I was trying to play these funny songs on stage. weren't very funny, and I wasn't very good. <laughs> but that was my lessons into learning how to play guitar, was buying a piece of paper from Walmart and looking at it. Yeah. Playing guitar, how did you learn who, who was around to kind of help you out? So my, my buddy at Southern Miss, he, he actually ended up playing. He still plays baseball in the major leagues. He, he played for the Twins for like seven, eight years. His name's Brian Dozier. Um, he was an all-star year. Anyway, he was, uh, he taught me how to play. I, I can remember him teaching me how to play bar chords, teaching me how to play night moves, um, and stuff like that. But I would get on YouTube. I'd get on YouTube and look up, you know, here's a quarter cover song acoustic and you know what I mean? Just how everybody does it. So yeah, I did that. It was funny. I was home this weekend and when I got the news that it was number one and I'm, uh, there's a farm across the road that we, me and my dad, have, have been able to hunt for forever and uh i was with him and i was like man why did you let me go to nashville like i was so <laughs> bad back then like how did you i was like listening to stuff back 10 years ago obviously everybody starts out they're terrible but i was bad like i'm not exaggerating <laughs> i wish i had i probably have a cliff on my phone it's like it's just night and day how how, how much i've grown and so i was like man why did you why did you support me doing this? And he was like, man, I just had it, you know. I just, I, I knew you had it in you, man. I believed you in you. It's, it's pretty crazy, man. Pretty crazy. You know, we have the same management team as far as, um, we work with the same company. Yeah. My, my, guy, my guys are, are Tom Lord and Tom Betchy, like my direct management. And they have been really high on you for a long time. But, but what happens with me is, when my my direct management is going, hey, this guy's good, I go, well, I can't have anything to do with it then. You just got to be quiet because once you're telling me, I feel like I'm I'm it, I'm polluted now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I know they had both reached out um, that you're number one week, and they're like, we think we got it. Yeah. We think we got we got Aldine beat because Aldine had number one you know, the week before. Yeah. They're like, we think we got Aldine beat. And once once he's got us number one, you can like him. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm in. But, Man. But – you know, last on the last episode, we had Tom Lord on talking about how vital it is for management. When you come to town, how long until you get somebody to, to think you're good enough to represent you? For me, it was six years. Wow, that that's a long time for someone who ends up making it on a high level. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, the first four years I was in town, you know, I didn't even have a publishing deal. I was just working at FedEx or in Dick's Sporting Goods and driving back to Mississippi and playing acoustic shows on, on the weekends and just being poor and writing songs with whoever would write songs with me. And so when I finally got a publishing deal, that kind of got me, I call it the the cool crowd, I guess is what you, I mean, it's, you know, you're getting yeah. a circle, you, you got to get in the circle to even have anything going on. And so that, that kind of kickstarted everything for me. And then got a booking deal, put an EP out, got a booking deal, um, CAA, and then yeah, management. Do you feel like you significantly got better or it just took you long enough to meet folks who could make you, who could put you in a better situation? Probably a combination of both. I mean, I had written, I don't know, five songs when I moved to Nashville, maybe 10 songs. I was a late bloomer. And so 
it took me, I mean, at least four or five years to even figure out, I ain't going to say how to write a great song because I, I still don't even know if I can do that now. Uh, but I learned how to not make a song suck, if that makes sense. Um, and just being around so many other amazing writers. I mean, it's the best songwriters in the world here in Nashville. And so when you go in the room with them every single day, you're going to learn something new every day. And so... You're yeah. a FedEx or you're at Dick's Sporting Goods. You ever run into any, I'm sure you've run into to, to maybe some singers in town. You see them. Yeah. Or somebody works at a label. Maybe you didn't know who it was at first, but did you ever try a, and I asked this, I'll, I'll give you the story first. My, one of my neighbors found out where I live. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to find me here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got walls around. Sure, you know, yeah. I, I've had enough situations where now I'm protected. Yeah. But I made a video. I just got engaged, and she recognized my backyard in the video. And she came <laughs> over, and I have a security thing at the gate. And she goes, and she rings, and I'm like, that's so I pull it up, and it's she's not in a car. She's on foot. She's looking right in the camera, going, "Hey!" I was like, "What the? There's no car." What? She goes, "Can I? I have something for Bobby." And I'm like, "Oh man, what? Is, like?" And you know her? Does, no, I don't. Didn't no, know. I didn't know. All I know is there's this lady on my yeah. on, on my phone because that's where my one of my uh, gate dialings. So I'm like, uh, and I'm acting like I'm not me. I'm like, well, Bobby's not here right now. It's so obvious it's yeah, me yeah, because yeah. I have the, the the least distinct voice ever that you know it's me. Yeah. And she's like, well, I have something I'm going to leave him and Caitlin, my, who's my fiance now. And I was like, why don't you just leave it by the gate? She goes, I'm going to put it in the mailbox. I said, okay. So she puts it in the mailbox. I'm leaving. I text Caitlin. I say, hey, there's some lady that just put something in the mailbox. I'd give it five minutes so she can walk away, but head over. So Caitlin goes over, pulls it out. And there's, it's like a two-page letter. And by the way, I'm not totally hating. Once you get to the end of the story, you'll yeah, see yeah, where it comes yeah, back yeah, around yeah. to you. It's like this two-page letter. And there was a CD that she put in there of some bald guy with a huge mustache. And she was like, this is his music. Wow. So every, out of every 50 of those situations that happened to me, maybe one of them do I feel moved. Sure to actually spend some time with it. Yeah. Because a lot of them are just weird. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, they're leaving stuff on my car. Like, that feels like it's an invasion of personal space. However, I'm a big believer in shooting your shot. Sure. And I probably would do, someone sitting on the toilet and I'm a singer, maybe I play it and stick it under the stall, you know, so they can hear it. <laughs> so I respect it. Yeah. But I wonder as you're doing that, were there ever any instances where you saw someone and thought, maybe, maybe this is my spot to go say something to them? Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure there was plenty of, times like that at, where you had to hold yourself back because yeah. you're like i know this would be inappropriate and i'm trying to think and there are certain certain stories with artists too who it's happened for them in a good way yeah and i encourage people to do it. i'm not mad at her at all but i also have the right to feel creeped out by it yeah yeah i think i, I was always here comes the shy thing again with me like i was always kind of shy and i didn't want to it probably i probably stuff would have happened for me sooner had i been more aggressive with that so? kind of stuff probably yeah. just because i was always the kind of like man i don't want to bother anybody you know i don't want to like i feel that way i don't life. want them to like you know i that's just i'm just weird like that did you ever see like jake owen and dicks and be like <laughs> no i'm I a singer i'm trying to think i feel like i have seen people out though and i was always like man i should have i think i saw randy hauser in walmart one time and i was like man i should i should say something <laughs> <laughs> i want to play a couple songs here this is uh, your first number one and debut single. Here is Some Girls. Some girls get the mama on the phone, take a trip back home, pretend they never knew the guy. Some girls drink a bottle of wine. You wrote that? I didn't write that, You didn't actually. write that. Ironically, I didn't, no, I, I didn't. I didn't have it up here because I know yeah. you're a big songwriter. So my friends that are songwriters who end up writing other songs, I always think that's the biggest compliment to other songwriters. Yeah, absolutely. I always think that's super cool because you could be an artist and just go, I am only doing my own thing. Sure. But when you're so sure of your songwriting abilities, yeah. I feel like it's a little easier to take a song that, that you hear somewhere else. Absolutely. And I mean, so this song in particular is a song that, so Hart, Mike, Michael Hardy, Jake Mitchell, and CJ Solar wrote this song. And, you know, coming up in Nashville, we had this group called Band of Bros. It was like a little, our little, fraternity almost is what it is kind of what it was when nobody had anything going on we would hang out on the weekends and play songs and and that was a song that they had written and i was just like the song's really good and like nobody cared about it in town i was just like dude if 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 you know two three years down the road if i have a record deal i'm cutting this song for sure and it almost got cut a few times i think and uh you know it, it slipped through the cracks i guess I mentioned your songwriting because, let's see, songs you wrote. Uh, Talk You Out of It, FGL. This was a top 10 song. Down the hall, baby, turn it on. Your playlist, your play 
Uh, and not your first number one. As an artist, it is. But Chris Lane, I don't know about you, was a number one. Yeah, yeah. What's your name? What's your sign? What's your birthday? What's your wrist tattoo? So before you have a number one as an artist, you have a number one as a songwriter. That's almost the rite of passage for people who last a long time. Right, right. It, like some of my favorite artists... Like I would, I would always be like, man, Luke Bryan wrote this song for Travis Tritt mm-hmm. before he was like Billy a, Currington wrote yeah, the number one for Billy. Had yeah. Billy Currington, uh, Eric Church had like a um, Terry Clark cut, I think, back in the day. Just like random stuff. Brantley, his all his stuff was he had some big songs as a writer. Um, it seems like though that is consistent with the folks who stay. Yeah, like they came up. They got a publishing deal. Yeah. As they were figuring out who they were as an artist, they were still just writing, yeah. just churning it out. Because yeah. you know it's a quantity game. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get some quality if you do enough quantity. Yeah. But you do, you have to just write and work and work and work. And so the the significant thing that I see as far as the consistency with artists and country music is those guys that can write, yeah. they last. Yeah. Because well, even if their shine falls as a performer, it'll be back eventually sure. because they can write themselves out of a hole. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I think... For me, I've always gone with good songs take care of everything. I mean, they literally do. You can do any you could you could do anything except murder someone probably. And if you have good songs, the fans will not care. They then don't just, care. Yeah, if then you just change your name as the writer <laughs> and you just keep writing. I, yeah. I'm curious too cuz you wrote the lead song from Luke's last record, Born Here Live Here Die. Oh yeah, here. yeah, yeah. You wrote yeah. The, the the title track as they would call it. Yeah. When you because there's different stages when they say, hey, you got to cut. Or first yeah. it's, hey, Luke's thinking about cutting it. Sure. Then he cuts it. You're like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Then like, all right, we're naming the record after it. Do you go, well, holy crap, this is probably going to be a single. Oh, believe me. I mean, I'm, I'm, in that, I'm in that mindset right now. I have no idea if it's ever going to be a single. But I'm just like, I'm thankful to even have a chance, maybe. I mean, I was hoping that it was going to be the, the single, you know. It, he went with Down to One for the single, which is a great song, too. And so I was... It was kind of a, there was nobody saying anything around that camp. Like I was trying to get info from Brian Wright at Universal and, you know, Carrie Edwards. And I was just like, man, it's like, do I have have the next (laughs) single or no? And they just went, man, we hadn't picked anything yet. So maybe, maybe next year, maybe next year. Here's one more that you wrote. This is from Jason Aldean's Nine album. This is called Camouflage Hat. Now that one we know will not be a single because he's already working on his next record. I know, I know, and I just found that out like two weeks ago, and that, I'm still kind of, <laughs> still kind of heartbroken about it. <laughs> I think you're doing all right though. I think the fact that you now have a number one as an yeah, artist yeah. kind of cancels that out. When you go though, and it's your first number one party for for Chris Lane, that's gonna be a pretty cool feeling. Oh man, I mean that's, that's what you dream you. about. Yeah. you know what I mean. I mean, I I made a promise to myself I wouldn't go to a, a number one party till it was mine. I did break that promise because my one of my best friends had a number one and. I had to go to that, but who was uh, that? It was Josh Miller. Me and Josh were roommates for a while, and and uh, what song did he write that was the number one that you went to? It was um, it was Kip's uh, uh, "More Girls Like You." Yeah. So you go to that one, and a little bit you're ashamed of yourself, but your friend, your your friendship with him. Well, we were roommates prevails, too, there, yeah. and I had nothing going on that afternoon, so I was like, you know, I, I would have been a. A butthole of a friend if I didn't do that. You uh, played the Grand Ole Opry for the first time la- about a year ago. Is that right? Yeah, last September, I think, is when it was. Again, you've been in town a while. Yeah. To finally get that Opry call. That's yeah. got to be pretty freaking cool. Oh, man. I mean, that's... that's. I'm trying to think the coolest thing I've gotten to do. That, that's probably it. I mean, that, it doesn't get much cooler than that. You know what I mean? You get to play the... I mean, think of all the people that have played the Grand Ole Opry. And uh, yeah, I got, to, I got to surprise my grandma on camera with it, too, uh... That's the greatest Which was part so of it. Which so cool, yeah. man. It was just like, you know, my, my dad was named after Ernest Tubb. And so, I mean, it's been some huge country music fans in my family. So that was a big, big deal. I just did a story because I work with the Opry and I've uh, played the Opry as a comedian a bunch. But I was doing a story yesterday with, with someone who was writing a story on their 95th birthday. Yeah. And so they were like, yeah, hey, the Opry's 95. You know, what do you remember about your first um, appearance at the Opry? Because I think I've probably played it 15 or 16 times now. And I said, well, what I remember is I didn't see a single face. I was so nervous my first time. Yeah. I, you go out and you stand there, and it takes a second because the sound's a bit different in that room. Yeah. It's tall. Yeah. And I said, I told my first joke, and nobody laughed. <laughs> and I thought, oh, crap, this is going to be awful. 
but the room is built so tall and different. Then I felt the laughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I said I didn't see anybody's face. Cause I, was so, I said, but the second time was my favorite because I got to go out and just kind of sit in it yeah. and go, oh, I've been here before. I can do this. Yeah. And I saw people's faces. I looked in the crowd. I'm going to ask you the same question. Your first time performing at the Opry, what do you remember about it that was so significant of the actual performance? Sure. So I, I, the whole day... You know, everybody's freaking out. My family, friends are coming up from from Mississippi, and my whole team in Nashville. It's just a big, it's a big night. Your de- your debut at the Opry, and so I, I'm I'm pretty good at keeping my cool, like or at least hiding that I'm not nervous. And so I was I really wasn't that nervous all day. We had played felt like a million shows that year already out with Luke and and my own shows, and so I don't know. I felt confident, but when I got side stage, you know, when they're about to introduce you. I was like, oh, God, like, this is, I can't mess up. This could be really embarrassing. <laughs> like, and uh, anyway, I go, I go out there. It, it, it played three songs, and I can barely even remember it, honestly. It went by so fast. But Charlie Daniels came up to me after, and he's like, man, because I played, the last song I played was acoustic. And he was like, man, that last song, unbelievable songwriting. And I was just like, oh, my <laughs> God, are you kidding me right now, Charlie Daniels? The Opry's cool because the, everybody that's there is just there. Yeah. Meaning, have at it. Yeah. Doors are open. No ego. You want to yeah, go say awesome. hi to anybody? If they, yeah. they may come say hi to you. That's yeah. a cool Charlie Daniels story. Yeah. Um, the first that I had known of you really was on Luke's tour. Yeah. Yeah, Luke, yeah. Luke, Luke Combs. We talked about two Lukes here. Luke Combs was like, hey, I like this guy a lot. Uh, his name is Jameson Rogers. How did that relationship come together? So... Uh, Let's rewind four years. This was summer of 2016. Um, Luke Combs was definitely not Luke Combs. Uh, I get a message on Instagram. I had just put out my very first EP, right? And, you know, I didn't even know if I had a fan. And so I put, it was kind of like an experiment project. I put it out, and people kind of gravitated toward this song called Midnight Daydream. Anyway, I get a, I get a DM on Instagram from Luke Combs. Uh, he was like, man, uh, Nicole his girlfriend at the time, wife now, loved the song, sent it to him, and uh, he loved it. And he was like, man, we should write sometime. And I, I swear, I didn't even know who he was. I mean, this was, Hurricane wasn't even on the radio yet. and uh, But he had a blue check mark on Instagram. And so I was like, <laughs> huh, who is this dude? And so Did I asked, you have one, though? No, I okay. didn't know. I okay. had like a 200 followers <laughs> at the time. And so I asked some buddies around town. I was like, have y'all heard of Luke Combs? Like, he's, he, has, he hit me up on Instagram wanting to write. And luckily, a couple of them were just like, yeah, you should do that. He's got like this big underground following going on. And uh, yeah, we got together and didn't even finish a song. We got one halfway finished and uh, kind of just pre- pre- pressed pause on that. And then fast forward like a year or two later, um, I put another EP out with some girls on it. And uh, he hits me up and he was like, man, this EP is insane. You want to go on tour with me next year? Wow, just like that. Just like that, yeah. Pretty yeah, much just to him like a that. year and a half or so. Well, maybe, maybe like a, you know, a random text here and there. But we have. I mean, he was so busy. You know, what I mean, he was blowing up at the time, and uh, he was never in town. And so, yeah, he he hit me up and he was like, "Man, I'm going out on a. We'll do thirty arenas. Um, want you to be the first of three, play thirty minutes, and go kick some ass." And I was like. Yeah, it sounds pretty. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even have any, I had no interest from a record label at the time. You know, it was, I barely even had a management deal at the time, I think. And so that that really got the ball rolling for me. You think him putting you on tour was yeah, a big, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the so Lynn Oliver, who is Luke's manager and signed him to Riverhouse and Sony, she signed me and the rest is history pretty much. Yeah. Here is a Colby or Call of My Name. It's you and Luke Combs right here. Is that a, a call you're nervous about going, hey, man, you want to hop on a song? <laughs> yeah, I was for sure because he, he's never on anything. Like, he's just never featured on anything. And so I text him. I actually I text Lynn first, his manager. I was like, you think Luke would, would want to sing on Colby or Call My Name? Because I knew he, he liked the song. I, she had sent him a bunch of my demos and whatnot. And so he was, he was a fan of the songs. And I was like, man, uh, I'm going in and cutting 
or I, was, I had already cut it, I think, because I, when I cut it, I, w- I didn't even have the intention of Luke being on it at the time. And then he asked me to go on tour, and I was like, man, this would be a cool song for him to jump on. Anyway, I texted him. He was like, dude, that would be awesome. Please let me do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this was like, this was also two, two and a half years ago. So it wasn't, he's the man now. You know what I mean? He wasn't quite he was the man of, He was one of the big guys then. Now yeah, he's he the was man. definitely yeah. going in the right direction then, but he's like, yeah, he's Elvis now. I call him Elvis. I was talking to Chris Lane maybe a week or so ago, and I had seen that picture on Instagram of all you guys playing ball together, the, <laughs> yeah. the recoupables. Uh, Chris Lane, Morgan Wallen, Hardy, John Langston, uh, Jordan Davis. I mean, that's a lot of ex-athletes yeah. all trying to be athletes. <laughs> maybe not trying, still being no, athletes. No, we're trying. <laughs> it's a big trying, yeah. <laughs> anyone, anyone got hurt yet? Uh, no, not yet. Luckily, I have no idea how. I, tonight is the first night of the playoffs, actually. So I'm, uh, what time's I'm, the game? It's at 7 20. I'm Lee. I'm pretty much what I'm, position do you play in the, on the recoupables? I, I play second base. Okay. Um, but tonight, you know, it, it's been a battle. So I'm the, I'm the coach. Big quotes here. Big co- quotes for the quote for the coach. Um, I did, I did put it together and I was like, man, when's the next time all of us are going to be in town this much? And, be able to play softball together and so i put the put the team together and i you know i i had to hand pick some some guys that i thought were athletes you know and it's been fun it's been a blast but it it is a headache usually every week i mean i'm having to deal with like 10 artists you know what i mean it's like it's a logistical like <laughs> now you respect who deals with you a little bit more yeah like, yeah who's the most surprised who, who's the best athlete who can still play um, man, Chris Lane is really good in the outfield. Um, really good. Are you guys just ringers galore? Or do you play other teams that have really solid squads too? So it's probably we went five and two. In the you lost season. a couple games. Yeah, we lost a couple. We got we got got to talk in a big game after we were four zero. That's when everybody started posting the pictures, right? And the next two games, we just got smoked, <laughs> and we were just like, "Oh God, we shouldn't have done that." What kind of teams beat you though? Are they guy? Are they soft, the softball guy? Who they have really good teams they've been playing a long time and maybe they didn't play college baseball, yeah. but yeah. I mean it's a so it's a mix. Like it'll be two or three like on the good teams, it'll be two or three players that are like really good. And then it'll be three or four that are they're good. You know what I mean? And then it'll be you know, it, it's never we don't play anyone that's just like top to bottom, like I'm scared of, to death when I'm on the infield. You know what I mean? But there's there is like a couple of guys that have played pro ball like that yeah. are out there and you're just like oh god please the, don't hit it at me. The most annoying thing about having friends out here and because you know it's it's a lot of folks that come from all over right yeah we're a hub yeah we're a hub of of creativity in yeah. different ways. We have big basketball games. I have a basketball court down there and like uh, Matt Stelsch came last night. He's just so freaking good. Yeah. And he played college basketball. Yeah. But I don't know him as Matt Stell. Yeah. The college basketball player. But he shows up and it's like yeah. And I know Matt, he's from Arkansas, from Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, let's play. Just killing folks. <laughs> well, it doesn't hurt that he wakes up and he's 6'7". Absolutely. You know what I mean? He gets out of bed and he's 6'7". But he so. also had ball handling skills yeah. as a 6'7 guy. Yeah, you can tell he's he's played a lot of basketball. So he dominates, like Brett Eldridge comes over. He's a good friend. He plays a lot down here. And he didn't play ball outside of high, but he's still so freaking athletic yeah. that you're just like, even you, pick something. <laughs> give us something. <laughs> Like you can't, you know, you shouldn't know. be good at everything. Yeah, so I have to beat up on Stell on the golf course. That's the only sport I can beat him in right now. You just played Pinehurst. We did. Me and Matt. Me and Matt, and like it was, it was like twenty of us went and played. Chris Lane and Hardy and uh, Charles Kelly, Jake, and I mean it was a ton of people that went. It was the, it was honestly one of the most fun golf trips I've ever been on in my life. Just because I mean the courses are unbelievable, and you know the hang was was awesome. Yeah, with uh, so I I play golf. A little bit, probably not at the level that you do. I shot at eighty two the other day. I was pretty happy. It's awesome. I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. I was struggling though. I that as you as you know, sometimes something weird just starts happening with you. Yeah, and you can't. It's hard to diagnose it. Yeah. So Jake and I are close, and I, I said, Jake, dude, I need help because Jake's really good. No, he's really. Is good, Jake yeah. the best of that group? Or I played with Charles before. Charles Colt, was good. Colt Ford, I think, was the best That's one of that true. group. Yeah, yeah, Colt's really good. But Jake is top two, three. Because Colt played on like the Hooters tour or yeah, something. Colt is unreal which is crazy it's crazy i know because colt's a big guy i know he's lost a ton of weight actually but but yeah i mean even look i mean he just yeah you would not think colt for be an incredible golfer but he is 
unbeatable. Really? Yeah, I mean, he's un- he's just so steady. He never messes up, ever. He, I, I, I've played, I want to say I played three rounds with him that week. I don't think he missed a fairway. I don't think he did. Not one fairway. What do you shoot? I think I shot an 83 at, on the Pinehurst number two. And what tees were you playing? Do you have oh, to play the back might, tees no. if you're playing with no, all competitive? No, okay. no. Well, they don't even have the... They have a back tee, but that's not even the U.S. Open tee when the U.S. Open is there. They don't even have those tees available to play. But, no, I played the, whatever, second to last tee. I'm not trying. You know, I'm not that good. Well, my, my point with Jake was I, I just had something, and I could not fix it. And I said, hey, man, I'm going to send you a video. And he goes, hit four or five balls yeah. and send me a video. I said, great. So I sent him over, and he goes, he hit, like 15 minutes later, he's out in the yard with clubs. And yeah. he's like, here's here's." I swear to God, it took four strokes off. Just yeah. like, like he's that good at not just playing, but also going, this is what you're doing. Yep. And this is the easy thing, yep. the small thing you can do to make it better. Colt did the same thing for me when we were at Pinehurst. Because I, was, I, was, I had the chipping yips when I was out there for some reason. My short game was god-awful. And I was like, Colt, help me out, man. Help me out on this chipping. And he would just be like, man, pretend the end of the club is a gun barrel and it can never point at you. It has to always be pointing forward, if that makes sense. And so I was like, all right, that sounds weird. And I got up there, hit a perfect shot. Really? I was just like, you got to be freaking kidding me. What's this thing? Did you used to uh, noodle? Noodle. Okay, what, we, what do you mean? maybe it's, we call it different things. Oh, are you talking about grabbling like the catfish? Okay, go ahead. It's, I've, yes. I've done it. No, if, if you're going by that picture I posted, I did that one time. And I was like, oh, I'm good. I did it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we used to do a bit of that. Yeah. Oh, everybody back home. I grew up right next to a big lake, two lakes, and... uh it's a big thing back home, but yeah, I'm good on that. You're engaged too? I am. Just got engaged. Me too, man. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. When did you get engaged? I got engaged, I think it was the very end of September, so about a month ago. Do Do you sing to her? Is that how you got her? <laughs> no, definitely not. She'd probably laugh at me. Um, so she's a singer-songwriter too. We met at the Bluebird um, in 2011. We were both uh, new in town, and we went to a songwriting workshop. It was a... Uh, Barbara Cloyd, uh, play for publishers. They bring in three or four publishers, and you got to play a song or two for them. And it was a class or whatever for two or three days. And she was in there and uh, thought she was pretty, whatever, all that good stuff. But it took a few years for us to uh, – we and we wrote. We'd write here once or twice a year and uh, were friends for a few years and then decided to start dating, and, yeah, the rest is history. Are you shy? To, were you – are you're not present tense talking to girls <laughs> were you shy toward women as you were toward generally other folks um yes and no how'd you get her i don't even know it just kind of, it was just kind of a na- i think we both had had a crush on each other for forever and at the time i was dating another girl um when i met her at the workshop i was dating somebody else and she, i think she was dating somebody else too so it took for whatever reason, the stars to align. It took us a few years for the stars to align and even consider going out to, with each other, you know. And you did the proposal at the Bluebird? I did. I saw. I, I, I tricked her. I was like, um, I got my manager to send this crazy long email about this documentary, made-up documentary that I just made up. <laughs> and uh, he was like, you know, it's going to be three cameras. You know, you need to come camera ready, all this stuff. Because, you know, girls want to look good when yeah. they get engaged too. And, or when they get engaged. And so um, she walks in, and I had it all decked out with some roses. Did she know immediately? Things. I think she did. So if I could go back and change one thing, and I don't, there, it would be impossible to even change because it's a pandemic year. I wasn't even thinking about her walking in with a mask on because mm. she thought it was going to be a whole film crew and stuff in there. And uh, she walks in with a mask, and, <laughs> and I'm standing up on the stage, and it's decked out with candles and stuff, and I was like, <laughs> you're getting your picture made right now but it worked out good where did you do it the barn we have a barn back behind the house oh nice because this is about five acres or so yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. nice little spot and so there's a barn and we're uh renovating the barn because it's so old yeah, yeah people yeah, yeah. used to have horses on this property and so wow. they haven't used that barn in 20 years and so i was like hey let's get the barn renovated and so i had workers out here that in, i was off shooting my nat geo show um, and we come back on Sunday afternoons. We were gone, you know, Friday, Saturday, and we come back Sunday. And so I said, hey, they've been working on the barn all weekend. 
And I'm severely colorblind. Oh, really? With dark colors. Wow. And so I said, hey, there's some, uh, I, there's some paint samples down there. I need you to help me because I can't tell the difference in the colors. And she's like, great. But like you, I knew that she wouldn't want to have a video or yeah. she wasn't looking great sure. for her engagement because a lot of people are going to see that. Yeah. And I said, hey, we're, we have dinner with a couple of friends and I never go anywhere. Yeah. I lock myself up. It, yeah. Listen, if you don't have a corona test, I ain't going to get around you. <laughs> and, she was, and she was like, we're going to dinner. I said, yeah, we need to get out a little bit. And so she's like, okay. So she gets dressed up. It's, we haven't had a date night in six months. Yeah. Not like that. And so she's dressed up and I knew she would feel like, man, I've done this in a while. Let me look good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we, we have to go on, uh, to dinner, but let's walk down to the barn real quick. So we walked down to the barn, and she's like, can we not do this Monday? And I pulled the door open, and like that, it was just candles everywhere. Oh, she was, money. She started crying immediately. Yeah. Did, what did you have planned to say? Did you have something, you know, you're a I, songwriter, the pressure's on. Yeah, I mean, I, I kept it short and sweet. I mean, but yeah, I, I definitely had something in my brain. I was like, and I don't know, me and her, we don't have to like, I don't know. We're just simple folks. I don't know. We just don't have to like say, didn't have to be a big speech or anything. I think she was just, and we never even talked about getting married ever. Like she never, kind of, I mean, we've been so dating five years. So you didn't know if she would say yes? I mean, I had a feeling she would say yes. I mean, it was like 95% sure. <laughs> 5% I know. awfully five, dangerous. It is, it is, it is. That's a tough five. And so I don't know. Yeah, it was, I kept it short and sweet and we went and had a nice dinner after. It was nice. It's a big moment. It's on, it's on tape or yeah. whatever you call it. You have it recorded. Did you yeah. post it? Not the video, just just pictures. Yeah. yeah. Are you saving that video for something? I don't even know if if I'm trying to think if it even got videoed. You saying the cameras were all set up? Well, I just had I had Kurt. Uh, it's he's actually in Luke Combs' band. Uh, he was there taking pictures and stuff. Yeah. I, I don't I don't even, I don't think he took a video though. I should ask him. I should have got that video, but oh well. What are you going to do to celebrate this song? We celebrated last night pretty hard. Uh, yeah, we, we tore it down last night. You did? Pretty good, yeah. So is that, that's it? That's the only big celebration you're uh, going to have? Uh, well, well, we'll we'll throw down again like uh, at no, the number, number one, one party. party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you guys saying what the next single is yet? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be the one with Luke Combs. Cold Beer Combs. Oh, name. is that right? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, heck, that's... What a great second song to come out with. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. And here's the great thing about not, not having that as your first single. People can't go, I know. oh, look, Luke Combs got you at number one. Yeah, I'm really glad some girls went to number one. It would have sucked if, if it would have got to 12 or whatever, yeah. but I'm really glad it went to number one because Luke would for sure make me know that, you know, I was the reason for the first number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, man. Thank you, man. That's really cool. It. Like I said, people that are in my immediate circle have been singing your praises for a long time. And they also know that's dangerous with me because I'm like, well, I can't do anything about it now. Yeah, because, yeah. But um, for me, it's exciting to see them so excited about someone. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you, man. I and good luck it. tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it. Don't hurt anything. <laughs> I have a calf injury, a nagging calf injury from playing ball that's five weeks in. Yeah. I can't shake it. Yeah. Once oh. I hit about 35, I don't know, how old are you? I'm 33. Okay. You got about two more years before it. They, oh, they just. Oh, you're, you're already me, lingering I'm, I'm, a little bit. I, I, something gets tweaked on me every Monday night. Jeez, yeah. I am just in a. I have a, a Peloton treadmill now, and now I do the five minute classes sometimes. Really? Where, where a few years ago I was like <laughs> nothing less than sixty. Some days I'd be like, I'm hurting. I'm gonna do the five minute one today. That's coming. Jameson. Get the blood flowing a little bit. Follow Jameson at Jameson Rogers uh, on Instagram, Twitter, all that. You have it all locked yep, down? Yep, all, all right. up there. Congratulations on your engagement. Congratulations on the song. Thank you, brother. You are the shiny toy right now, <laughs> which is a great place to be because you got to be that before you're the long-lasting yeah, superstar. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations. Thank you, brother. All right, there you go. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And don't go gently, y'all.
This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.